a sweet time of worship. Kobe, thank you, man. You know, I was just sitting there thinking, it's, um, it's one thing to sing about the attributes of God, and, uh, you know, and, and, and those are good. You know, we've, we talk about God's attributes, his characteristics all the time, but it's one thing to sing about those things and then to, and to talk about him kind of in uh, third person. But, but I love the songs like that, that uh, The More I Seek You song. I used to do that personally, just personal worship all the time. When I do youth camps and stuff, I just go early in the morning, sit in the tabernacle by myself and just sing that song. Because it's, it's, the, it's the personality of God and, and, and his touch, his personal touch in our lives at the gathering place that's caused us to, to feel the way we do about him. So those are great expressions of, of who God is to us, and it's, and it's personal. I hope you felt that this morning also as you were, as you were singing that he's enough. You know, it's not, it's, we're not coming here to get something from God. We're, we're coming here just to, to give our worship uh, to the Lord. And, and, and I don't want to get, to get confused either. As we go through this this study of the book of Exodus with the focus being joining God in setting people free. I want you to realize, everybody with me? Say, oh yeah. All right, everybody get settled because this is a good statement. Uh, the other stuff was just me feeling emotional, which happens very rare, okay? But this is a good statement. Something needs to grab our attention. So the, the focus of our study is not any different than the focus of what God's given us as, a, as, a, as believers and as a church. It's not about setting people free. It's about knowing God in a way that drives us to set people free. Y'all with me? It's knowing him personally in our experience in such a way. And we're going to see it show up in the text today because uh, Moses starts to act out of his old school Moses rather than the one that's begun to know God by experience through obedience. Uh, and, and I'll bring that out today in today's passage. But, but just know this, that we're not changing focus as a church. We're refining our focus. Okay, there's nothing about outreach that shouldn't flow out of who we understand God to be. If it's going to be authentic and organic and natural and relational in the way that God created us to live life and do evangelism, it's going to have to flow out of who you know God to be. One of my biggest frustrations has been since we started this church has been we are so ingrained to do things because we're supposed to, ought to, should, and it's so hard to break out of the list of things that you do as a Christian and just be. Be God's children. Let what you, and, and listen, I, I promise you this, for me, this was after seminary and after becoming a national consultant and after being uh, having the accolades of being somebody worth hearing that I've discovered the truth, this truth that I'm about to share, that none of that matters. Man, if you could just, that's not what's going to drive you to give Christ away in a way that he wants to be given away. I mean, I gave him away through the programs and the plans and the, I knew all these different plans. I had, in, in my seminary uh, education, I had three different plans that I had to memorize over the course of that time. Memorize. You say this, then you say this, and then you read this verse, and then you say this. If they respond this way, then you say this. And, but now I can't help but talk about it. It's a whole different thing. And, and you guys know what I'm feeling, right? 
It's, that's, what we, that's what we're feeding as we go through the book of Exodus. Moses started off trying to do something in his own power, and then God had to come in and train him, right? So he, he sends him 40 years in the wilderness and trains him, and then ultimately when he calls him, Moses doesn't feel qualified, which makes him qualified. And then God begins to give him the necessary uh, things to be able to be used by God, and there were some mandatory preparations that we talked about that had to happen for him. They have to also happen for us. But once we're prepared, nothing changes. Preparation is not memorization. Preparation is knowledge of God by experience. Right? Once you know God by experience, then nobody can take that away from you. You know who he is, not because the Bible defined him in a certain way. You're glad to see it in the Bible because it confirms, right? But you don't know him, and and you're not overwhelmed with words, uh, black words on a white page, you're overwhelmed with a person that's behind the words. That the words are actually describing who he really is. And the story of Exodus is a story of two different, really two different uh, scenarios. One is the, is the Moses scenario where he is coming to know God by experience through obedience. And the other is Israel who refuses to go to God, who doesn't even want to, who's scared to death of God, doesn't want to know God, and they, they don't know God. And you see the two different lives that begin to, the two different characteristics that define the life of Moses and the life of Israel. Very different. And so, just know that. Uh, It would be just like Satan to take this study on, that's titled, Joining God to, you know, Set People Free, and make you feel like it is an obligation. And so let me just say, it is not an obligation it is the overflow. It is, it is you being planted by streams of water and, and your, your branches pouring forth fruit because you're abiding in the source of, of, of life. Okay? And we can't go back to the other because there's no life in it. All right, so don't let Satan bring you there. Y'all with me? All right. So Exodus chapter 5 today. We're going to read the whole chapter eventually, but I'm not going to read through the whole thing. Uh, Bethany's had, had emergency surgery yesterday. She had her appendix taken out. She's doing fine. Uh, and so uh, I told Will yesterday I would take care of it today. And uh, I'm excited to preach this, this text because it's, uh, it has so much to speak to us. And so I'm going to go through it a piece at a time rather than reading the whole chapter because we're actually going to, even going to go into chapter 6 a little bit. Eventually we'll read it all. All right, but I'm just going to take you through it as a, as a Bible study. And I'm going to open up to you the things that God opened up to me as I was just reading this personally, not in preparation for a sermon, okay? Uh, but boy, it's going to speak. Y'all ready? All right, Exodus chapter 5. Let's start there. <coughs> Afterward, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? All right, stop. Verse 1, first of all. Just in verse 1. Moses is telling Pharaoh exactly what the Lord told him to tell him. And that's key before we move forward in this passage. Uh, If some of you saw the, I don't remember the name of the the movie uh, on Moses recently on his life. But it didn't depict Moses this way. Okay, we're going to find in this story that Moses 
always goes back to God to hear what God says before he speaks. Moses is not speaking his own words. He's speaking the word of God. And, and so one of the things that we need to recognize as we are going to be used by God to, to go out and, and lead people to know him uh, is that we need to speak the words of God, not our own words. We need to speak truth, not some words that we memorize, not some, some word that some man gave us or some, some something that, that we received uh, uh, that, that was really catchy and a, and a quick way to be able to lead somebody to a new knowledge of God. We need to use the words of God. Now, what does that mean? Obviously, this is the word of God. We, you know, here's where we start. But in the moment, Paul talks about this. Peter talks about this. And in the moment, God will provide for you what you need to speak. And just trust him to give you the words. Speak those words that God leads you to speak. You're not trying to convince somebody to do something they don't want to do. You're going to find the Spirit already working ahead of you because the Bible says that the Spirit would testify and then that we also must testify and then you speak your words. And so Moses speaks the exact things that God told him to speak. You don't have to worry about that. Now here's what's happened, I believe, for, for lots of us in many churches today. That we refuse to fall back into. Most of us have done this. I've done it, done it well. And that is, we will do anything we need to do to talk somebody into coming and sitting in a chair in our church in order for our numbers to look good and for our, for our ministry to look successful. Okay? That is not what Moses is doing. Matter of fact, Moses is, is just trying to tell them who God is and what God's plan is. And if they come, good. If they don't, you know, Moses is going to keep going to God himself. And he'll come back and tell them what God told him to say. So we just need to be determined. And we just go to God. God is the source of our evangelism. God's the source of our discipleship. It's his words, not our words. And so let God speak and show you how to do that. All right, and in verse 2, Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? And look at the very next part of verse 2. He says, I do not know the Lord. And moreover, I will not let Israel go. So Pharaoh doesn't know the Lord or listen to the Lord. Why would, why would uh, anyone expect that someone that doesn't know the Lord or listen to the Lord would follow their commands? Pharaoh uh, also, by the way, all he knew about the Lord was what he saw in the, in the pitiful servants, slaves that served him. All, he knew, all that Pharaoh knew about their God was that his people are pitiful. This is a pitiful, a pitiful group of people. They whine and complain and they're slaves. And what God, what powerful God, uh, or he uses the term Lord here, what Lord or God would allow his people to suffer this way? And who would want to listen to him? I'm not listening to your God. Look at how he left you guys. All right? I think I need to go ahead and make this point. Is that thankfully, Generation Z, thankfully, millennials, I say thankfully, are saying the same things. Why should we listen to your God? Because we don't see anything in your life that makes him look big. All we see in your life is a pitiful looking, pathetic God that can't do anything for his people. Our churches are plateaued and declining. Uh, our, you know, we, we have inherited two buildings that have gone empty. 
And there are many, many more all over the world, and particularly in the South, that are going empty because we continue to promote dead religion. And people believe, millennials, and in, 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 when I was teaching conferences back in, uh, when I was working for Baptist Sunday School Board, this is back in probably the late 80s, there was a book that came out and, and Barna was doing his research, which was accurate, but he said that, the time, that this next generation, which was millennials coming into, coming into play, that millennials would no longer, that churches would no longer inherit them. That they would not automatically inherit their kids. I, most of you don't know this, but we were automatically inherited. As, as baby boomers, we just accepted what our parents said and we just knew we were going to be whatever our parents were and we just did it, right, Mike? That's what we did. We, you know, we just walked in uh, to, to what our parents believed pretty much but not millennials. And I, when I would teach that at conferences, I was, I was teaching youth ministers. And so when I'm teaching these youth ministers this truth, they all go gasp, just, <gasps> and I would go, no, no, this is a good thing because they're going to own their own faith, right? Don't you guys own your own faith? That's what I love about you guys is you own your own faith. This is, this is not something that you just took from somebody else. It's coming from the inside, and, and some of you are having a struggle to even try to, to build that up right now and to, to learn how to do, do life with God and let him build inside of you the truth about who he is because of all the baggage that you grew up with. Dr. Blackaby last, last week shared this, this uh, illustration or this statistic in his talk at Louisiana College. He said of, of college students that grew up in church all the way through, grew up in church, went off to college. When they graduate from college, I'm not talking about all the uh, college students. I'm talking about the ones that grew up in youth programs, children's programs, church stuff, following the list, doing all these things in homes that promoted all that stuff. Church kids, 60% will leave the church when they graduate from college. 60% are not going to find their way into a church. That's terrible news for a lot of people. It's exciting news to us. You know why? Because that's our, that is our mission field. These are people that have the word already in their lives and probably are already Christians and they just are tired of playing the game. And so they're ready. They're, they're excited. And somebody's got to, somebody in the South is going to have to step up and say, it's not about all this other stuff. It's about him how good he is and they know it I mean, you guys know when we talk to people all the time when we, we were talking about the Lord man they're so hungry for this and, and it doesn't and pastors that love the Lord want to be in churches that do this and stay focused just on knowing God but they can't keep a job and do it and so Moses <coughs> tells Pharaoh this truth that Pharaoh doesn't know the Lord he doesn't know him by experience Moses does and this stuff Moses is you know, who are you calling Lord? All I see is a weak, pathetic God and his people are, have, been, been, have been serving me. And so I just want to challenge us again, man. Know the Lord. Know the Lord. Walk in his ways. Let, let the, the love that you have for God and the knowledge that you have of God overflow into life that springs out to the people that are around you so that when they look at you, they say, oh, that God, I want some of that God. All right? They're not saying that about a lot of Christian churches and a lot of Christian people. When I say churches, I mean people. But they're not saying that about a lot of Christian people. So let's let that be the word that we seek from people.
So Moses, I mean, uh, Pharaoh didn't see it. And he held uh, as a, in low rank the God of the Israelites. But here's the good news. And here's one of the things that God is doing in this story, in this whole story. When we get to the plagues, what God is doing is he is about to change Pharaoh's mind about who, who's God. He's about to change Pharaoh's mind about who's Lord. That is, who's over everything. Pharaoh's about to figure that out before the story's over. All right, let's read verses 3 through 21. Pretty good section. because we want to, this, is, this is the focus to today. We're about to see Israel and Moses get their call refined. It's about to be refined because, and their expectations are, are fixing to disappear. And it's going to be refined and it's going to turn into expectancy instead of expectations for Moses. God's fixing to do that work. And this is a necessary thing that they're experiencing. Verse 3. Then they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go three days' journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to our Lord, to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with sword. Let me pause there. I do need to make a comment about this. All right, so here's what they're doing now. He's trying to appeal either to Pharaoh's uh, probably to Pharaoh's uh, benevolent spirit, which he doesn't have, right? He said, well, you know, if, if we don't go out in the wilderness, our God's going to strike us down. And you know how it is when a God starts striking you down with pestilence and sword. And so, don't you want to let us go out in the wilderness? And Pharaoh's like, no. You know, he doesn't care. He doesn't have a heart for that. So they're appealing to another side of Pharaoh, and he, he refuses, all right? And sometimes we do that also, right? We say, okay, Kim, how can I say this another way that maybe I can get what I want, right? All right, but he doesn't do that. So here we go. Verse 4. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? That's all he's worried about. Get back to your burdens. And Pharaoh said, behold, the people of, of the land are now many, and you make them rest from their burdens? The same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their foremen, you shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks as in the past. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. But the number of bricks that they made in the past, you shall impose on them. You shall by no means reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore they cry, let us go and offer sacrifice to God. I'm sure that's the tone that he used. Let heavier work be laid on the men, that they may labor at it and pay no regard to lying words. So the taskmasters and the foremen of the people went out and said to the people, Thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go and get your straw yourselves wherever you can find it, but your work will not be reduced in the least. So the people were scattered throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble for straw. The taskmasters were urgent, saying, Complete your work, your daily task, each day as, as uh, Pharaoh's taskmasters, uh, I mean, as, as when there was straw. And the foremen of the people of Israel whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and were asked, why have you not done all your task of making bricks today and yesterday as in the past? And the foreman of the people of Israel came and cried to Pharaoh, why do you treat your servants like this? No straw is given to your servants, yet they say to us, make bricks. And behold, your servants are beaten, but the fault is your own people. But he said, you are idle, you are idle. That's, what I, that's why you say, let us go sacrifice to the Lord. Go now and work. No straw will be given to you, but you must still deliver the same number of bricks. The foreman of the people of Israel saw that they were in trouble when they said, 
you shall by no means reduce your number of bricks, your daily task each day. So there's the problem. Then then, uh, they met Moses and Aaron who were waiting for them as they came out from Pharaoh. And they said to them, The Lord look on you and judge because you have made us stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants and have put the sword in their hand to kill us. All right, I want to focus on this for a a good little while here. Because some of you are facing this. Some of you have been experiencing this. I know, I mean, by your personal testimonies and things that you've shared, and, and guess what? So am I. I'm facing this right now. We, God, we've done everything you told us to do. We've been obedient to all the things you told us to do. And these were not easy things to do. These are different. But we've been obedient to what you've told us to do. And, and now everything seems to be falling apart. You know, it's getting harder and the people are against me and not for me. I have felt that. I've already shared that with some of you guys that, that I've, I've felt like there are people that have moved away from us because we're moving in the direction that God told us to move. That as we're moving toward God and toward his call for our lives and we're doing what God told us to do is that people are saying, okay, we're not with you anymore. I get it. I feel it. And here's, here's the tendency the tendency is to take thing matters in our own hands and make it happen. Y'all with me? When, when you obey God and God tells you exactly what to do and you go and you do what God says uh, and, and then things don't turn out the way you expected, then you tend to take matters in your own hands. You either tend to say, well, we must have missed it. I'm going to do something different. But you're going to take matters in your own hands. Listen, Moses had already tried to do things that way, Remember? Remember the beginning story of the story of Moses when he was a prince of Egypt and he steps out and, and God, uh, and he, he tried to take matters in his own hands and he killed the, uh, the uh, Egyptian uh, soldier and then God sent him into the de- desert. He had already taken matters in his own hands. He already knows better. He, just, he spent 40 years as a shepherd in Midian as a result of taking matters in his own hands. He knows better. He's also had a personal visit from God in a fiery bush that was not consumed where God told him and trained him that it's not about you. When he said, I can't go do this this task, and God says, okay, throw down your staff. Let me show you something. You don't need to have power. You just do what I tell you. And my power will be released when you obey what I say. Moses already knew better. He knew better. We know better, right, church? Listen, y'all still with me? We know better. We know that when we go out to, to get people, uh, that God, to join God in releasing people from bondage to legalism and from bondage to, to paganism, we know this, that we don't go in our own power. It's not about us going and trying to do something for God. It's us depending on God completely. And all our voices is a staff thrown on the ground and God turns it into a serpent. God makes happen whatever happens. It's all God and God's power. It's not us. We know that. And Moses knew it. He'd already been through, he had personal conversations with God. He'd been through staff training. (laughs) Moses had already done all that stuff. And we have too. Guys, we are, we are God's people. We've been through our staff training. We know what God's leading us to do. And Moses knew 
what God was going to do because God had, God had already told him. Remember, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago, or maybe, yeah, a couple of weeks ago. God revealed to him again, here's what I'm going to do. I'm setting my people free. God said, I'm doing this. This is what I'm doing. And then he gets in the middle of it and he freaks out. And we're going to see Moses freak out here in just a minute. But because of the circumstances, Moses gets his eyes on this horrible circumstances and all the people are screaming against their leader, the one that's supposed to be delivering them from, from the bonds of Egypt. And, and God's fixing to show them, it's not him, it's me. And you need to get that straight. And it's important that they go through this horrible experience of the, of the making of bricks and, the, and the, the tasks that they were assigned becoming more difficult and not easier. And they, they scream against Moses and Aaron. Moses knew what God was going to do. And I think here's what happened. I know mo- because Moses knew what God was going to do eventually, Moses had expectations of how it was going to turn out. Because Moses responds in not a good way. And this is one of the last times we, watch, we see Moses act out of, a, out of uh, what he sees rather than what he hears from God. It's one of the last times we're going to see this from Moses. But look at, what, look at Moses' response in verse 22. Then Moses turned to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, why have you done evil to this people? He's saying what God did was evil. He recognizes that it's God that did it. Then he says, why did you ever send me? Doesn't that sound like Israel later on in the story? Why did God, why did you send us out here in the wilderness to die? This doesn't sound like Moses. Why, why did you, why did you uh, ever send me? For Since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people. And you have not delivered your people at all. I love that honest confession from Moses. So let's, let's take a little moment this morning while we're here to have a little moment of honest confession for you. I don't know what your confession sounds like, but mine sounds a lot like this. God, you told me to, do, to start doing church planting. And it seems like this fell apart, that fell apart. This is getting weaker, not stronger. It seems like the things you call me to do are not being successful. Listen, I got caught in the middle of this. I don't know where your time of confession, what it includes, but have you had expectations that God was going to do things certain, a certain way when he told you to do something and you obeyed? When you, it was clear that God was leading you a certain direction and you had expectations and, and because of that you are sitting here saying, God, where are you? Why did you send me here? You're doing evil to me and to people. As I've watched a few people walk away from our church over the last few months, as I watched our finances decline over the last few months, I've asked the same questions. Maybe a little different. I couched it in some spiritual sounding words, you know, where Moses does it. Well, I trust you, God, but where are you? Do you have expectations? Because expectations, we know better. You will never be able to figure out how God's going to accomplish his vision. We are never going to be able to figure that out. And if we get something in our minds, you can almost be guaranteed that it's going to be the opposite of that. 
Unless it's total dependence upon God and totally shines his glory and you're waiting on him to do it and you're not taking control. Moses comes to this point of, of doubt and fear and, and he looks at his circumstances. And any time in the Bible when, when men start looking at their circumstances, things get bad. God, godly men, when they start looking at circumstances, the whole Israelite army, when Saul was leading them, were under God's leadership and, God, and Saul was telling asking God what to do and, and God would tell him where to go and God was giving them victory after victory. And so the Israelite army knew that God's will was for them to defeat the Philistines. But then they came to this one big Philistine and they kept his eyes on him, a giant from Gath. And, and all they, they knew all the details of his, y'all know this, he knew all the details about that giant, but they forgot about the power of God. And so David had to come remind him with a slingshot and a stick. And so I'm coming today, having laid down my armor, having laid down my desire, to, my expectations, I'm coming to you guys today to say, let's, let's learn. Let's pick up our, a stone and a sling and the power of God. And let's let that be enough as we go out to, to reach out to people who are out there. But we need to do it. We need to at least get a stone in our hands and start... Joining God in, this, in this, uh, this effort, right? Your stone is your mouth. Speak it. You know, share what God's doing. Your stone is your own life. Devote yourself to, to spending time with God, obeying his will, letting him reveal to you who he is. That's what's going to bring about change. So Moses, Moses doubted. And we see that happening in his life. But the Lord answers Moses. I love this. Because in the middle of my trying to take control, my concern about whether God's ex uh, meeting my expectations or not and forgetting about that I can be expectant, that I can have hope and joy and expectation in the sense of our expectancy, not expectations, nothing specific, but I can have this sense of hey, something's about to happen. Because God said it's coming, so it's going to happen. And I just need to watch for it and then adjust to it. But when I start doubting that and I get my eyes on circumstances, the beauty of God is His grace is so sufficient. It's all, His grace is consistent because His character never changes. Is that He looks at me and says, all right, let's talk about this. And that's what He says to Moses in, verse, in chapter 6, verse 1. Look at it. But the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand, he will send them out. And with a strong hand, he will drive them out of his hand, out of his land, rather. All right. Pause there for just a minute. Now means now. Okay. After these people complain, after Moses doubted, now is the time. At the end of Moses' Failed expectations. At the end of Pharaoh's, or at the height of Pharaoh's pride. At the end, uh, or the depth, the, the deepest part of Israel's misery. Now. Y'all get that? Listen, it's, God knows what he's doing. He is taking all of your circumstances and he is absolutely sovereign and in control of all of what's going on. 
And he's moving all of that to the point where finally he can begin to do his work. And Moses is not going to be the one doing it. He reveals Moses to Moses his weakness again, his doubt, and he's about to show him, now is the time I'm going to do it. Man, I, I want it to be now. I, I want the, the time to be now that God would, would, listen, I don't care about Gavin Place churches. What I care about is that people would be set free from bondage to legalism all over the South. And all over this town. And we are holding these things. And it's okay. Until God gets your heart right. And it may be more tragedy in your life. It may be more uh, pain. It may be more horrible circumstances for you to have to go through. To figure out that God wants to use that. To mold you. Whatever it is that God has to do. I want it to be now. Don't you? Man, I want it to be now. God, if you could just say now, that would be such a beautiful three-lettered word for my ears to hear. Now, gathering place, now. I'm about to do what I said I was going to do. I'm going to set people free. I'm going to do it all over the world. I'm going to do it through a small congregation, a couple of small congregations that gather together every week and believe God for this. I'm going to, do, I'm going to reach this town now. Wouldn't it be sweet? Do you think that maybe the Holy Spirit's going down the road right now and each person to each one of you and saying, now? You think maybe he's coming to each one of you and saying, now's the time? Now's when I want to, I want to go ahead and bring some of your friends out of bondage. I want to bring those people that you're working around out of bondage to this dead religion that they've been in all their lives that you've been set free from and you're enjoying. You're drinking, we're drinking that water, we're swimming in it and we're not giving a drink to the people on the bank. Don't you think now's the time that we, we need to, that maybe the Holy Spirit's coming to each one of you and saying now is the time for that person that you don't believe that I can win because they're so stuck in paganism or atheism or agnosticism or whatever it is. You know, you think they're so deep and I'm saying now. Now, at the, at the hardest moment, now's the time. I think he is. I think God's doing that. And, and I hope you will hear it when he says it. I think it's time. Anyway, then he goes on this beautiful display. I love this because he starts talking about who he is. Look at it. In verse 2 of chapter 6. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. He's fixing to describe who he is. I'm the Lord. I appeared to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob as God Almighty, but... My name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. He's coming and giving a whole new description of himself to Moses as Lord. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians and I will deliver you from slavery to them and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will. I will take you to be my people and I will be your God and you shall know that no, by the way, in the the Greek version of the Old Testament, Epigonosco. 
Knowledge by experience. You will know by the experience of what I'm saying I'm going to do. Bringing you out of bondage, bringing you to myself, being as a father to you. When you experience that, and I just know it because I said it, when you know it, then, then he says, you will know that I am the Lord your God. You don't know that he's the Lord your God just because he said he was. You know because you've lived it and you've experienced him in life. I love that. You shall know. I am the Lord your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. See, if Moses would have done it his own way, if he would have adjusted his circumstances and tried to make something happen, they wouldn't have known that it was God. They wouldn't have thought it was Moses. But when Moses goes weak before God and says, what are you doing? And God says, let them know I am who I am and I'm going to get them out of there. I'm going to, I've heard their cry and I'm going to release them. Let them know I am who I said I was. Verse 8, I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. In verse 9, Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel. All right, here, here you go. Now I'll read the rest of verse 9 here in a second. Oh, you read it probably. It's up there in front of you. He says, I am the Lord. Now, that had already come out of Moses' mouth. He had already told the people that he was the Lord. He had already told the people that God was going to deliver them from bondage. He'd already, these things had already come out of Moses' mouth. What happened? Moses, in one circumstance of life, was not experiencing what he did. felt like he wasn't experiencing the Lordship of Christ. All right, let me, let me make this point. Don't miss it. He thought he wasn't experiencing the lordship of Christ. He thought that God's sovereignty was limited to only the good circumstances. He thought that when God was doing something, it had to look good. It had to be enjoyable. It had to be uh, uh, prosperous in some way. And Moses is learning one of the most valuable lessons that Moses is going to learn. And that is that God is in absolute control. He is the one who is the Lord. He is the Lord. And he gives them his new name. he, He is the Lord. I'm in control of all of this. I'm making it happen, and I will not change. God reminds Moses that he's in control, and that he's going to do what he said. He's going to do what he said he would do. But Moses is using the same language, and he's, uh, before he believed it, and now he doesn't. There's a circumstance that changed. Moses needed this lesson. Don't let the circumstances dictate what you believe. And look, Moses responded. He responded by... This is what I believe happened for Moses. God, what happened to me these last few weeks? Is Moses said, oh, yeah. I mean, I, I was at the house. I got this word about uh, one of our church members at another church that were pulling out. And they've been key leaders. And, I'm, and this is right, right as I made this commitment to, to do this full time. And I, and I go and they, their, their response to that was they're pulling out. And I lost it. Thinking, God, what are you what are you doing? And God was so faithful to come and restore me that very day. Listen, I went home and I got a shovel so that I could work out some of my frustration. <laughs> and Talafa can tell you, I think it's the first time I've ever put that shovel in my hand. All right. But I was I was gonna get some outside work and I put headphones on and I put Shane and Shane Psalms on. And all they were talking about is, he is enough. He's enough. 
All the Psalms, everybody was it just kept, you know, circling. And it was just one after another about how he's enough. He's all I need. You're all I need. You're all I ever, you're all I want. You're all I ever needed. Let me know you're here. You know, I've been sitting here and God's ministering to me through these songs and saying, I'm, I am the Lord. I'm here. I'm sovereign. You don't have to worry about all that stuff. Man, I was refueled and God got me back in, in toward the right direction. And I still struggled for a number of days and weeks, but I can tell you now, man, I'm, I'm just, I was so excited to be able to share this with you today. And I think this is what the attitude Moses had. God came to him and said, he didn't say, what's the matter with you? Go back you know, uh, to Midian. I can't use you. You're pitiful, pitiful example. I've already done all this stuff in your life and you're still not going to follow me. I mean, I gave you a burning bush that didn't, was burning and not consumed. Come on. How many people have had that? What's the matter with you, Moses? What's wrong with you? I've appeared to you personally. I spoke to you. I put you 40 years in the wilderness. You want to go back there? I was going to kill you in the cave. Wasn't for your wife, you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't live. But listen, Moses, what's, what's the matter with you? You're here. You made it. And I am the Lord. And I am in control. And I'm going to do what I said. You're not doing it. I'm doing it. I don't need your help. I don't need your, uh, to consult. I don't need to consult with you about what's fixing to happen. I'm going to do this. Just get out of the way. Say what I say to say. And watch me work. Moses needed that lesson. And so God says, I'm with you. I'm with you. It's okay. We're going to do this together. The grace of God shown to his leader. Shown to the one who's called to join God in releasing those who are in bondage. And some of you might need that today. Maybe you've given up hope on your friends. Maybe you've given up hope on those people that are close to you. Maybe your own family is just stuck in bondage and you've given up hope on them. Don't give up. Let God renew you today. He's sovereign. He will bring those people to himself. They may not choose to accept him, but he will do all that he can do within his own sovereign plan to bring them to himself. And so just, just trust in the Lord for that. But Moses gets that. He gets it, and he's so excited. I think he's excited. He says, all right, people, gather around. I know you're all gloomy and, and sad. Gather around. He gets the, gets the children of Israel in, and he says, this is what the Lord said. He's still doing what he said he was going to do. All right? I know it doesn't look like it, but he's going to do what he said he's going to do. But look at Israel's response. Israel, the last part of verse 13. Is it 13? I lost it. What is it? 9. Verse 9. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel. So he speaks to them, but... They did not listen to Moses. Why? Because of their broken spirit and their harsh slavery. Moses learned the lesson. Israel did not. Moses trusted in the sovereignty of God again and he found his calling to be a part of of this deliverance of Israel out of bondage and and Israel did not. I realize. I'm not Moses here. You're Moses too. Or I am Moses, but you're Moses too. We're all Moses in this story, okay? We are the ones who are called to join God to, to bring people out of bondage to, to legalism and to sin, paganism. Both are sin. We're the ones called to do that. But I wonder if some of us are just Israel. 
I wonder if some of you are still just Israel, that, that you're today, you're so hopeless and you're so beaten down and you're so tired of not having success and you're tired of hearing the same, the same message over and over again and you're just, you're just done with it. Here's the, here's the sad part of that. Number one, it doesn't change what God's going to do. God's going to bring people to himself. God's going to release people from bondage. It doesn't change that. That's what's sad about you not joining God. The sad thing is, is that you, you might think that God's not going to do it if you don't join him. He's going to do what he's going to do. Yeah, he's trying to get you out of the way, so let today be about that. But you're going to miss the blessing of knowing God by experience like Moses did so that when the Bible describes you, it descri- or when God describes you, he describes you like he did Moses in the Psalms and Moses uh, God revealed his acts to Moses. I mean, his, his ways to Moses and his acts to the, spirit, to the uh, children of Israel. That when God speaks to you, he speaks like a man does with a friend. Not once again, they did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Once again, they did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Not... Why, God, why did you bring us out here in the wilderness to die? If you have that attitude and you hold on to it, you don't let God change your heart in regard to that. You don't come to know God through obedience and know him, know him through obedience by experience. Then you're going to be in the same place a year from now, two years from now. I said a few weeks ago, and I'll say again in closing, some of you are looking for joy in your spiritual life. And it's not going to come by osmosis. And it's not going to come by you just reading your Bible. It's not going to come by you just uh, trying harder and, and following some list. It's going to come by you desiring in your heart with the little desire that you have to know God, asking God about life, obeying what he says, walking with him in life, and letting him reveal himself to you. Jesus loves us. The scripture said because he loves us, he will reveal himself to us. And we want that. We need that so that we can be full. It's the water of life that's going to cause us to be able to produce the fruit that God has for us. Let's pray. Thank you, God, that you don't give up on us. Thank you for that. Thank you that you didn't give up on me. I wish I could say when I was young. Uh, Thank you that you didn't give up on me this week. As I continue to struggle with circumstances around me, but God, I, I needed this word today and I'm I'm so thankful Father for the reality of that word that it describes the God that I've been experiencing this week this is not just words in a book but God this is who you are and you love us enough that you you choose to let us experience you and know you through joining you to release people from bondage God fill our hearts with passion for you first and then Father we know that as As you fill our hearts with your love, it's going to overflow. So we just ask for you to fill our hearts with love for you. Fill our hearts with a deeper knowledge of you. And Lord, your your word says that as we abide in that, we remain in you, then it will produce fruit. It's going to happen. Take away discouragement today from your people. Help us to receive this word as a Moses received it and be thankful for a God of grace that loves us and has called us to this work. 
We look forward, God, to what you're going to do. We have a, such a tremendous amount of expectancy, God. Forgive us for our expectations. And show us, God, day by day how we need to join you to set people free. In Jesus' name, amen.